So, I mean, we can get into CES, but, you know, you and I haven't spoken via voice for, fuck. It's probably been, has it been since I got married? It's possible. Um, oh, wow. That might that's, have been the last time I saw you. Yeah, that's like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, Grant, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm in L.A. It's uh, it's good. <laughs> Things are good. I read about it, video games a lot. Um, last year and then this year, I went back to doing a bunch of programming stuff. Um, let me think. I'm still playing a lot of games, but... Um, not trying to make a living doing it anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, I would be doing the same thing, but I, I haven't had the time to jump into it both feet first like I really want to. I've got some really great game ideas, like even just easy little puzzle games that I would like to put together, and I started dicking around with Unity a couple years ago, two, three years, years ago, and kind of figured out how animations can work and how you can load in assets, but beyond that, I don't have any background in, in software engineering, so... I was like, right, I know how to make this pretty, but I don't actually know how to make it, anything function. So anytime yeah. I've wanted to work on game stuff, I've always needed partners, and that hasn't entirely worked out very well for me, especially mm-hmm. because the people who the people who I've asked to help out have been friends rather than employees. Mm-hmm. And unless I can, I guess at this point in my life, unless I'm able to actually pay someone to do something like that, then... I know that they're not going to really take it that seriously, or they're not going to take it as seriously as I will. So. Well, stick with it because uh, scripting in Unity isn't super hard. If you oh, like, yeah, put it... a little time into it, you'll figure it out. And exactly, um, yeah, it's cool. You can do a lot of fun stuff with it. Ah, <sighs> um, yeah, I I make little things here and there, but um. Yeah, I, I have a lot more ideas than things I like implement to a finished product or like the things I do make usually end up feeling more like jam games than finished products. Well, like what sort of stuff, like what would I be familiar with or what what game style would I be familiar with? Um, The last like big thing I worked on, which didn't ship, but... um. It was pretty similar to WarioWare. Have you ever played the WarioWare games for like Game Boy Advance or I think one came out on the Wii? I'm I may have um the the two Wario games that I was most into were like the original Game Boy and then oh <laughs> I don't know if you had one of these but I had a Virtual Boy back in the day whenever I was like in my early teens mm-hmm. and come to find out my older brother still has it. That's amazing. Uh, and I really, really want to get it from him uh, because I would play stuff like Red Alarm or uh, Wario Land, like VR Wario Land, whatever it was called, or 3D Wario Land. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. Uh, and the and it's it's actually something that I would love to figure out how to do because I really, really like uh, the virtual reality stuff that's coming out right now. And, and I think you and I have talked about it a little bit uh, about... Like, what are the limitations on, you know, maybe putting uh, VR-capable software uh, and games onto stuff like iOS? Mm-hmm. And, like, I have I have the giant phone. I have the 6S Plus. I didn't upgrade this year because I'm, you know, I don't believe in the whole leasing the phone thing, uh, which is kind of what Apple's trying to get everybody to do right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I bought the 6S Plus specifically so that I could load it into a head-mounted display and start loading up the different pieces of VR software that people have been releasing for iOS. And what I would really love to be able to do is have a game kind of like that Wario game was for the Virtual Boy where you've got a foreground, which is just a side-scroller, and you've got mm-hmm. a background that moves at a different rate, and it's just done stereoscopically, so there is a depth of field to it. And it, it's really easy on the eyes, it's really easy on your brain trying to process that you're looking at something that's supposed to be in 3D. That effect is called uh, parallax, parallax yeah, scrolling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really simple. You just move one thing at a different speed than the other. Exactly. So, I mean, I would love to be able to do something like that and then have... Uh, one of the uh, designed for iOS controllers. I just bought one of the Steel Series controllers uh, a couple weeks ago, like the $50 one, mm-hmm. so I could start trying to use it with these different pieces of VR software. And if you had something like a 3D side scroller that you could run through a head-mounted display and you've got this controller sit like in your hands and you just have your hand sitting in your lap and you're moving a D-pad and uh, A, B, X, Y buttons, mm-hmm. effectively it's the same exact thing as the Virtual Boy was. And... I think, I would like to believe, I think that there could be a, a good market for it, especially because you're looking at a, at a, a buy-in of $30 for the head-mounted display uh, uh, structure that you put the phone into, and then another 50 bucks, maybe $50. You might, you might be able to build one out and sell it for less. Uh, that's iOS compliant and iOS um, certified. And so we'll say 80 bucks all in plus the games, to be able to do this with a phone you already have. And mm-hmm. it'll work on uh, the, what is it, the iPhone SE, it'll work on the 6, the 6S, uh, the 6, well, yeah, 6, 6S, uh, 6 Plus, and 6S Plus, and the 7, and the 7 Plus. So it could be something really, really cool, and if anything, it's just to prove that there is a market. And I would love to, to be able to do something like that, and it shouldn't be too hard. But you know, Google's you just have doing to have stuff to... like that with their phones right now. Um, mm-hmm. With Daydream VR, I think is what's on the Pixel, yeah, and it looks yeah. promising. But the one thing I'd worry about is the, um, like the delay between the input on the controller and then what you're seeing in response on the headset, um, uh-huh. because that delay is what will uh, make you sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that's why like the Oculus and the Vive are so keyed in. Um, mm-hmm. because yeah, you won't end up getting sick with that. So yeah, I'd worry about that a little, but yeah, that's definitely possible. I don't know how many things there are on the app store, um, that are kind of like pseudo VR, uh, that support a controller as well. Mm-hmm. It seems like most of the stuff, um, is kind of like the Google cardboard kind of experience where yeah. you more put it on and you're just kind of in a 360 environment you can just spin around and look around and stuff. But um, yeah, I'd like to see them do more with that. I, I it'll definitely happen as phones get faster. Yeah, there, well, so I've got a couple games on my phone. I'll send these to you later. Um, there's one like the VR space something or other. I can't read the whole thing because you know it's just an app on here right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does allow. Well, so there's a, the main things I'm seeing are first person shooters or um, or like cockpit games, mm-hmm. and the cockpit games work with the uh, the look shoot to where wherever you are, basically you have a, a crosshair right in the center of your vision, and when you move your you use the accelerometer and the gyroscope that you move your, your head to the left or to the right, or you turn left, turn right, 
look up, look down, and it changes the direction in which you are flying through space. Mm -hmm. And if you look at an enemy combatant, then you will start shooting at them. And it just intelligently goes, oh, there's a bad guy there, start shooting. Gotcha. Uh, And there's uh, the... Okay, so the game that I was playing with that is called In Space. And it's just really easy, and it's just a forever... Like, you're flying around a planet, and you're firing against, uh, like, enemy vessels, and it never ends. There's no, oh, you cleared level one. Here are some different bad guys. You have to do some different things. No, it just keeps going through the same thing over and over and over again, like wave one, wave two, wave three. Uh, But this other one called VR Space, whatever it is, uh, that one allows the look view, but with the SteelSeries controller, you control the left, right, up, down, and the Hmm. firing mechanisms. So it's not dissimilar to something like uh what is it uh e-valkyrie i think is one of the cockpit ones for oculus and vive Mm -hmm. uh where you know you do the look look to see but your controllers are telling the the ship where to fly and what to shoot and things like that um so it is there and people are playing with it it's just it's not getting any traction right now and mm-hmm. that makes me that that really makes me sad because it's a promising technology, and they're showing that you can do it on iOS. Uh, but unless Apple goes, "Hey, this is something that seems really cool. Let's get one of the uh, the AAA t- uh, companies to put out some small title." Like back in the day, whenever they had Epic do, uh, well, Epic and is it Chair who did uh, Infinity Blade, mm-hmm. and that you know that was a proof of concept for the iPhone four. Yeah. And showing how the the uh, A4 processor works and how their 3D engine on that phone works and stuff like that. Um, so if they if they could get uh, a bigger name studio to go, okay, well we want to do this with you, okay, then then it'll bring VR to the forefront and it'll it'll help the adoption of it a lot more because they are kind of the biggest name on the block when it comes to things like mobile phones and computing right now. So. Yeah, I mean, being I, being the biggest company in the world, uh, market value wise, y- you can move things pretty quickly if you really put your mind to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a um, there's kind of like a space epic kind of shooter game, kind of like what you described called Galaxy on Fire. It's a series yeah. that's been on iOS for a while, um, and they just released the third one recently, which I haven't played yet. I played a bunch of the second one, um, but I'm kind of curious if they could add a mode like this into it you know because like they have the full fleshed out game there and it looks beautiful so you know if they just set up like the double vision rendering Mm -hmm. so you could put Mm -hmm. it in a headset and then i i'm sure they already uh support controller input yeah so yeah maybe they'll do something like that um yeah i well, I think with I'm trying to think how easy that would be if if they're running in the unity engine or even in the unreal engine Mm -hmm. then Unity and Unreal are already building out their engines to be able to support VR. Just they say, okay, we'll convert this to VR. Mm-hmm. Like set it up for stereoscopic, uh, so you have parallax vision and go. Easy as that, and then you just have to kind of work with uh, the the flight and like I guess a directional control and then the look control. Uh, and so you have uh, a, basically a pivoting camera and then the controls actually telling the yeah the cockpit what to do mm-hmm. so i i think it could be done and i really really would like to see people do it so for sure well 
yeah, harass them because they've got the game there already. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm going to keep posting blog posts on Medium and linking to Tim Cook and say, make some fucking VR for my mm-hmm. iOS devices because yeah, this even is if fucking it's bullshit. Not perfect, <laughs> yeah, based, it, you have the hardware. Exactly. And it, they've metal is out and they're, they've been talking about how great metal is working with 3d and, and just making games better and making them more visually uh, pleasing. Just, just do it. Just put something out and, and see what happens and see what sort of traction that you can get with the public. And who cares if, if Oculus is working with Samsung to build out the, the Gear VR stuff. Apple has, has a chokehold on all the iOS stuff because it's their own platform. So just do it. They mm-hmm. make the device. They make the software. For sure. Yeah. I mean, um, they don't have John Carmack, so maybe that's why they're not doing it. Yeah, I've messed with the <laughs> Unity stuff. Yeah, seriously. They need some uh, gaming know-how. I mean, like, I always feel like Apple just doesn't care about gaming. Um, they care about making a marketplace, and you can put stuff on there. But for the most part, I just I don't think they have a lot of heart in it. And that's fine. It's like, it works fine for them. But yeah, I don't know how much further they're going to push it at all, or if at all. Um, I've been messing with Unity with VR stuff a little bit recently. Like, I don't have a headset. Um but like the most recent thing I've been working on it um it's kind of designed for that it's designed for like room scale VR so it's like the mm-hmm. kind of stuff that you would um do with like the new Oculus sensors or mm-hmm. the uh like the Vive just from the get go um and are we talking about the the touch and just just having hands in game yes uh, yeah that's okay. that's super important for this too i mean the basic idea for this thing it's like a narrative story um where you follow the life of a butcher and his like dramatic horrible love life and his horrible family life and uh but like the weird mechanics of the game are that you're like managing a butcher shop by day and like butchering animals and so you're using the um, 3D controls to use like a knife and cut off pieces of meat off an animal uh, that you mm. can sell to people. Um, and so it's it's been really hard to make because I'm doing a bunch of weird stuff that's like, um, you know, it's it. I don't know. It's like way past my uh, knowledge, but I'm I'm figuring it out. And like if I take it far enough, I'll definitely. Uh, buy a headset soon so i can like test it in that um but yeah it's like unity is pretty simple and uh a lot of that stuff is already built in so mm. if you're curious about it you should mess with it well yeah i i i need to finish building out my vr rig before i really start jumping into all of that mm-hmm. uh like right now my main computer well so i have uh, an imac and i have a macbook pro macbook pro is really for my work stuff but i do some graphic design on it because i mean that's one of my primary things at my job and then i have uh, a 2011 imac like it's a 27 inch imac with an i7 all like bells and whistles fully maxed out whenever it was brand new Mm -hmm. and i haven't updated i think i'm running two versions of the os behind because i'm a little afraid of updating it and potentially slowing it down by running a new os on it Mm mm-hmm so I'm trying to build out uh, a VR rig, and I've got the case, and basically I have three components left to do. I need to do uh, the CPU, and I need to do the graphics card, and I need to do the RAM. 
And I haven't done those because I knew CES was coming up. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see what sort of stuff got offered during CES and see whether or not for the same price of what I was about to pay, I could get something that's, you know, 10% faster or more efficient or whatever. Yeah, not a great year for that. Like, they haven't really done any, no new graphics cards really this year. Like, the NVIDIA stuff they announced was um, kind of services stuff mm-hmm. instead of hardware. And then, uh, I guess they announced the set-top box, but we can talk about that later. Um yeah. And then, yeah, Intel, like, they haven't announced anything really this year processor-wise. Um, like, the KB Lake processors are starting to show up in, in laptops there. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's not going to be any meaningful difference to you since you're building a desktop. Yeah, that, that's what I was hearing earlier today um, from a couple different podcasts I was listening to. Uh, that it the... The only really difference that you see w- between what is a Skylake, which is the previous version, and the KB Lake stuff, mm-hmm. really is just power savings on the mobile side. So, yep. uh, if hey, you know, if it drops the price by ten or twenty percent, then I'm all for it because I want to save a little bit of money while I'm building this out because I've been trying to keep my build under a thousand dollars, and I'm I'm doing pretty good on it right now. I think I think it's going to end up being probably like ten fifty or almost eleven hundred unless prices come down. Um, and, yeah. I mean, we'll see. And it's one of those, I'm just buying a component here and there. I don't really have a lot of time to sit around and play video games right now because I have a ridiculous commute. And by the time I get home, I'm just ready to have dinner and turn on the TV for a couple minutes and hang out, talk mm-hmm. to Alexis, and then <laughs> and then be like, all right, time to go to bed, and then we got to get up and do the, the same thing the next day. And on the weekends, I have a little bit of free time, and that's whenever I kind of dick around with video games or seeing if I can you know work on podcasts or <laughs> for sure or whatever else I want to end up doing with my time yeah um yeah some let me think there were some cool VR things there even though they weren't like computer uh hardware or anything like um the Vive has a couple cool accessories that I saw um mm-hmm. someone built like a wireless adapter for it so you can oh, get rid awesome. of like the cables hanging out of the back. And I figured this thing would cost like a thousand bucks. It's actually mm-hmm. like 200. So, oh, wow. I mean, the Vive is already pretty expensive as it is, mm-hmm. but for an extra 200 bucks, you can make the experience like a million times better. Nice. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then someone also made like, I guess actually HTC did, um, but they basically made like a headphone strap for it. Like kind of how the Oculus is set up with the, headphones included okay um so yeah that's kind of cool so you can for reals like have an all-in-one kind of unit instead of uh having separate headphones over your head uh under the uh, headset so it just makes it like a little less clunky as well Mm -hmm. um they also I don't I don't even really fully grasp how this works but they made like this Vive VR tracking motion adapter so you could put like this adapter on like any real world object so mm-hmm. like let's just say like your phone or you know like a bottle of water or something and then that object uh would track separately from you when you're in VR so it's like if you needed to use like a real world object um, mm-hmm. You could put this thing on it and then know where that object was in relation to you. Well, I think they've been working on that for a while. I saw some uh, demos. They're 
they were doing something here in San Francisco. This company, I believe it was from Switzerland, had gone through and rented an entire floor on a building. So it was like a, uh, it, it all been stripped out. It was just bare concrete. Mm-hmm. And they built out a level of a game or of, I guess this is all, you know, like a tech demo. Uh, and they had multiple people in VR in in a one-for-one space and they put a big cube in the middle of the floor and they they had that marked with uh i I know it's infrared that that does it but so whatever sort of markings that the um the lighthouse system can pick up yeah backscatter yeah so it could see the cube and it knew that it was a cube because of the the markings on it It says okay well we're if you see this uh specific shape or the specific uh id then that is this size and represent it within game and they did the same thing on a couple like uh like two or three foot long i guess it was probably closer to two foot long uh like sticks like a broom handle that had been cut off and so in game what they went ahead and did is they had that modeled and they uh on the top end of it or the the end that you're not supposed to hold Mm-hmm. That's where they ended up having the the ID markers so that the lighthouse system could see it. And in-game, you could toss this stick to the other player, and they could see it in, like, one-for-one. One. It's really coming at them in real life, and it's also coming at them in VR. And they mm-hmm. could reach out and, and catch it wow, that's with pretty their cool. actual real hand. Um, and what they did within... So the experience, the way that it ended up looking was that it was uh, almost like you're in the catacombs and you're tossing a torch to the other person or you're carrying a torch around, so it's a light source as well. Mm -hmm. So depending on how you move it around, it changes all the light, the ambient lighting within the uh within the demo so really really cool and you could you could walk up to the cube and you could push it across the floor or you could turn it and stuff like that well this is the same same exact idea it's just like htc made a little object that you can put on stuff so i mean i'm sure they'll build it into their like sdk or whatever so people can just call that they don't need to start from scratch Mm -hmm. um so that's cool. Uh, did they did they show anything off with the new um almost like oculus touch controllers the ones that you strap to your hands um oculus i haven't seen well, anything out of them just well no for- i mean for htc because htc has been working on uh a, a type of controller that would replace the two wands not uh, not that, that you actually strap to your hands not that i've seen um i mean it's possible they showed it but just from my like rundown of looking at um ces stories i didn't see that mm-hmm. So they might not be at the show, or it might not be ready for prime time. Okay, yeah, I, I know they, that over the fall there were some photos that came out of, about it, and it's pretty early on in the development process. And I think their whole idea is that uh, they want to compete with Oculus Touch in regards to having something that actually just fits in the cup of your hand and where you can open your hand and not drop it, uh, and you can have finger gestures and all that. So kind of the bread and butter of what Oculus Touch has been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, since they announced it a year ago, uh, but you know, doing it for the vibe, and instead of having it to be almost like a, like a, I, I guess like a half hand grip that you really you're holding with the the palm of your hand and your uh, ring and pinky fingers, and so you've got your your three other digits that do all the gestures. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one actually straps onto your hand, like you put it in the palm of your hand, and then it's like velcroed across the back of your 
uh, the back of your hand, like across your knuckles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it ends, if they can do it, ends up working, and it allows them to do the same, uh, the same sort of stuff, then I am all for it. And that's kind of one of those things that I'm really, I'd really like to wait on, uh, or it's an excuse for me to wait to actually buy the VR h- hardware because I really want to buy the Vive, but I know that the the Oculus can do things that the Vive can't. Mm-hmm. But I know that. Uh, like I'm a big fan of Valve and a big fan of Steam. And so their ecosystem, I have a lot of stuff in it already, and I'd really like to keep it all in that. And, yeah. I mean, I'm, I really probably sound like a hypocrite by saying this because I, I use Facebook every day, but the less amount of money that I can throw towards Mark Zuckerberg, the better in my opinion, because I'm, there. there's stuff that goes on uh, or how Facebook treats certain people based on profession or based on race or based on uh a whole myriad of different things like hey you they have a real name policy on the internet on facebook you're supposed to use your real name and if people report that you're not using your real name then they'll kill your account Mm -hmm. stuff like that and i don't think that's good i think that's really bad so i don't want to support that any more than i have to i'm in the same boat as you and like uh, I was pretty open to buying a Vive when it came out, but my computer wasn't up to snuff. And now that my computer is, um, yeah, like the Oculus is slightly ahead because they caught up with the room scale stuff and they have their new controllers. And so, yeah, I'm kind of just hoping I can hold out until um, Steam does a revision or HTC mm-hmm. does a revision. Um, and yeah, I am i don't really care about Facebook. Like, I'm kind of it kind of creeps me out like the whole thing kind of creeps me out because it just seems very piracy invasive but um like the stuff with palmer lucky um the oculus co-founder or founder Mm -hmm. um like yeah the stuff about him last year and just how like the company handled it um was a huge turnoff to me uh with that company i'm just kind of like all right well you know our politics don't line up and it seems like you're kind of doing some gross stuff so uh yeah all uh... I, I would love to be able to forget about that stuff yeah like it's like oh this is gonna be really no oh guys come on yeah with no. with music um i have less trouble like separate or i have yeah less trouble separating an, art, an artist from their art like, mm-hmm. if I don't agree with in artist politics or whatever, it's not, like, a total turnoff to me generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can still, like, appreciate their music for what it is. But, yeah, just, like, that stuff, like, fueling the, like, internet hate me machine. Like, no, dude, that's, like, there's no way to look at that and be like, yeah, that's that's good work. Good job. Palmer. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, uh, have you seen anything else? So, I haven't really had a lot of time this week because i've just been i you know it's the first week back at work after the holidays so i've been playing catch up on a couple different projects totally and my team is about to unload a huge project on my lap this next week that i'm going to spend the better part of the week working on so i haven't had a lot of time to to go through and look at the different uh tech blogs to see what's been going on Mm -hmm. um so is there anything that you've seen that is worth mentioning that we can call out for people to check out or Sure. That yeah. is just interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I got one more dumb VR thing. This was like one of the like dumbest things I saw. It's um, actually this, this actually isn't even close to the dumbest things I saw, um, but it's, it's like VR shoes. 
it's it's for like a different headset. Uh, I here, let me look up. I think it's called Taclim was the company name. I think um, I heard about this today. Yeah, and so they're releasing their own headset, and one of like the tracking systems they have is like a VR shoe system. So it actually okay. tracks your feet, so you can like kick people in VR, which is ridiculous. Uh, what 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 I was hearing is that it was potentially going to be an accessory for PSVR, and it was going to be able to be used for things like soccer uh, games and things like that, so that you could go through and actually, you know, feel like you're kicking the ball. Mm-hmm. And... I wonder I wonder if they abandoned, like, PSVR because it doesn't do room scale, and they just were like, okay, well, we'll just do our own thing then. Yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a couple companies that are trying to do... Uh, like what is it called? Uh, OSVR, open source VR. Mm-hmm. So That's like they're trying thing. Yeah, they're trying to put all of the the hardware out there and be like, hey, we're open sourcing all this. You can build whatever you want. Uh, you can use the patents that we're filing for all of this. So I mean, I th- I think that could be something really interesting that could happen. Uh, like look at as as much as I don't really care for uh, Google hardware and all the Android stuff because I just I never had a reason to get into it. Uh, I've been using iPhone since the first one and I've been using iPads since the first one in front of me on my desk mm-hmm. in a case in an A-frame case is the very first iPad. Uh, 32 Wi-Fi only. I got it three weeks after they went live. My mom got it for me as a graduation gift mm-hmm. and I've had it since then and it still runs great uh, aside from you know iOS 5 not yeah. having... Like, no it's pretty slow and you can't really get any software for it anymore, but it works for like typing notes or like, every now and then browsing the web. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but seeing another company jump in. So you've got Oculus with their hardware and their software. You've got uh, valve with the Vive and they're partnering with HTC, but valves also said that they're willing to work with other people about building hardware at some point. So you've got their ecosystem and then you've got the OSVR stuff that's saying, Hey, we're not part of those, but we want to be able to be cross-platform with all the stuff that they're doing or be a replacement for the Vive at some point because I guess Oculus has to go with Oculus, which is fine. You know, mm-hmm. Companies, they'll, they build the hardware software to work seamlessly together. If that's what happens, then go for it. Uh, but it could be something really interesting, especially when it comes to accessories uh, because you know, you've got all these companies that are thinking of new ideas and saying, okay, well, how do we... How do we approach the idea of having movement be room scale so you can physically move around in a larger space, you know, uh, 10 foot by 10 foot uh, by 8 foot tall or larger without running into walls, but also to where, let's say, let's say, heaven forbid, somebody builds out something like a VR MMO. Um, They build something out that is is truly a virtual reality. And uh, I don't know, have you ever read the, the book Snow Crash? Yeah. Okay, so the street in Snow mm-hmm. Crash, which is actually one of these things that uh, has influenced the development of VR in the last couple of years because people developing VR are a bunch of nerds. Uh, so they like ha- being able to do things like that, but you know you've got a ten foot by ten foot room, but you want to be able to walk infinitely in one direction. Well, how do you do that? Uh, is it something like? curving your movement so that you're actually walking in a circle even though you're not really well so you're you feel like you're walking in a straight line but you're really walking in a circle mm-hmm. or is it something that there's like a piece of hardware like what was it a couple of years ago that they somebody released that it's like a, a concave dome that you have to wear certain socks to stand in and it like holds your waist and you just move your feet 
and your feet slide and it picks that up as movement. So Mm -hmm. it lets you move in whatever direction or stop and turn or you can run. And I mean, it looks silly, but at least they're trying. Yeah. I mean, the, the solutions right now, it's basically like you're in VR. This is, this is at least how I I'm designing the thing that I'm working on. You're in that uh, designated space. So you're in like an eight foot by eight foot space or a 10 foot by 10 foot space. And then as you move to a different place, um, the game actually will like you tell the game you want to go there kind of like point and click adventure style. And then it will transition to that place. And then you're in a different 10 foot by 10 foot environment. Mm -hmm. There really isn't a seamless way to like walk between the two. Um, And I feel like you'd need a little bit bigger space um, or you need a lot bigger space to be able to like cheat the uh, like walking, but it's like making you walk in a circle, you know, Mm -hmm. like because with that little space, you just feel that right away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like because I haven't really spent that much time uh in vr or what 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 is the term that we use yeah <laughs> or, or is there a term yet or i don't how, know how, how, it's like whenever you say that you're online or you're in game i guess we could say in game yeah you're um, jacked in or in situ yeah jacked in so whenever you're 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 jacked into the matrix doing all this um the question that i have and so i haven't had a chance to play minecraft in vr which is one of those like i'm a huge minecraft fan Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a, uh, a creeper vinyl action figure sitting on my desk at work. My car has custom plates on it for gassed. It really does. I have a mm-hmm. little white car and it has gassed plates on it. And I actually had a valet today laugh at it because I guess he recognized it. Uh, and so I want to be able to, to try Minecraft in VR, but I don't want to do the whole having two hands and doing one thing for one hand, one thing for the other hand, I'm fine to have a keyboard and mouse and just allow me to have the free look ability. Like whenever you move a mouse around in Minecraft, how, how is that going to uh, translate, you know, like have it to just translate the same way. Like you're moving your head around. That's your mouse look. Yes. That's, that's the ideal situation. And generally like a good way to make yourself throw up in VR is to move the camera um, independent of your head you know okay. like the whole idea of you getting like motion sick is that your mm-hmm. body thinks you're poisoned and it's uh, like okay. when your vision gets screwed up your body wants to throw up because it's like trying to like get poison out of you mm-hmm. and so you know it's like if you're looking around in VR that's fine but like so just for example the only time I've gotten motion sick in VR was um, I played this game called Adrift which is basically okay. like uh, the movie Gravity. It's basically that, but uh, the VR game. Like you're in a space station that's screwed up and you need to like go from point to point having enough oxygen to stay alive. And it's mm-hmm. really like visually stunning. But I mm-hmm. put on the headset and I'm just kind of drifting. And it's like, I'm. it's because I'm in, you know, zero gravity. Like obviously you'd just like float around a little but like my brain getting used to that, it was like, I was instantly like, oh my God, I got to take this off. It was too much. So really it's like you want to have, you can move your character with WASD or with a controller or whatever, mm-hmm. but you want to always have like the camera movement, like locked to your head. Um, because the yeah. second you like move that in a way you don't expect or move it too intensely, you're just instantly mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this is horrible. 
like I'm 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 well I'm all for having the so I don't do the WASD. I use Q and E as my left and right mm-hmm. um, instead of A and D. Uh, but so let's say you're like back to the Minecraft thing. Turn off the head bob mm-hmm. because yeah, you, definitely. you don't need that. That'd be a nightmare. Uh, and then ha- just have your movement linked to uh, to the WASD sort of scenario, and then have your your camera look. Uh, attached to the accelerometer gyroscope built into the headset and then you all you're using the mouse for is as a clicker at that point Mm -hmm. and you you don't actually need to use it for anything unless unless you actually want to give independent movement to let's say you've got a sword and you're like oh i'm gonna attack some creepers and you just move the mouse back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, instead of having to click. Mm-hmm. So I'm it, like, I guess that's where that question comes in, and that's actually the way that I would prefer to play a game like Minecraft or something that's meant to be a first-person. Uh, I don't want to say shooter, but a first-person perspective yeah, experience, sur- survival game. Yeah, I, I, and I think most, and I guess it's because it's a sitting down sort of uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Like I'm totally down with that. I don't need to stand up and walk around to 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 get the experience i mean it's cool but at the same time it's like um i feel like i'm just gonna get exhausted by the end of that and maybe mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's a good thing I, I i could stand to lose five or ten pounds probably at this point so <laughs> like it, it it's back to the days whenever the nintendo wii first came out and it's like oh well here's something to get you off the couch again yeah so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the thing for me that I'm, like, most excited about with uh, VR, uh, even more than gaming, is using a VR headset as, like, basically, like, a huge workspace. Mm-hmm. Right now, the headsets aren't, um, you know, like, high enough pixel density to, like, you know, live on the internet or use text really mm-hmm. well. It just, it's too chunky. But, you know, like, in the next revision or two, like, all of a sudden, you're you're basically sitting at a virtual desk and you have like two 40 inch displays in front of you at like native resolution. Yeah. That would Um, be fantastic. Yeah. That would be so great. Um, that's basically my dream to like become like cowboy bebop's Ein and (laughs) just like Jack in and yeah. Yeah. That's my dream. Um, back, uh, early 2013, whenever I left my previous life and, uh, moved on to the company I'm with now, uh, I also interviewed at Leap Motion, mm-hmm. and for a couple of reasons are the reasons why I decided not to go with Leap Motion. But taking the that type of uh, like that was the first time I got to actually use that. It. it was it was six weeks or twelve weeks before the actual device shipped, and so I got to play with one for like a half an hour, and they're super cool. But after they launched, you didn't really hear much about them uh, mm-hmm. until people started strapping them onto the front of uh, the first first rev Oculus. Mm-hmm. And like basically saying, okay, well now put your hands out in front of you and now you can see your hands in situ. And it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. And like, I think, I think we're going to be going at all of this in stages where they're figuring out, okay, well they need higher pixel density. I don't know if you watch the, uh, the Oculus connect uh, keynotes and where they have everyone come out and talk. And then uh, Abrash comes out and talks for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. about the technology and kind of where their vision is and where they're, what they're trying to do with the tech. That's probably my favorite part of watching the Oculus Connect uh, keynote. 
and it, it goes on forever and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, this year he went through, okay, well here's where we've gone from rev one to consumer edition. Mm-hmm. And, and here's now where we need to go from consumer edition to what we really think is going to be fully and truly immersive virtual reality. And yeah, so the pixel density, it has to be fuck what, like f- at least four times. Like it, it, it's not like 1080, it has to be like 8k yeah. per eye yeah. for it to really be, uh, the right resolution. Yeah, and then they need to have it. You can't see it anymore. Yeah, and then they have to have it at uh, like 120 hertz. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like it, it has to be, of course, above 90 FPS. So it has to be, you know, 120 FPS or or higher, and all all sorts of like little little nitpicky things. But then we also talk about okay, well, how can the sensors work? And I think that taking something like the technology that they developed for leap motion and just build that into the front of a head mounted display, like an Oculus Rift or an HTC five. And I think, I think that'll cover a lot of the bases unless you actually need a controller to do something like you're using a tool. Otherwise you should be able to just, here's my hand. I'm going out with my hand. I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, do you need uh, the question is do you need something to act as okay i want to touch something right now unless it's saying okay well the math is saying okay well your finger is far enough out that you're going to actually impact it if it were in real life okay and that'll act as a touch i don't know so those are the sorts of things that i really would like to start seeing come out of uh come out of places like ces but you know there's still stuff going on like tonight is thursday and i think it goes on through saturday so we'll see if there's anything else that gets announced um yeah or I are, are are people going to start like wrapping all the vr stuff into the gdc and e3 and all that um, so i was i was hoping it would be at, at ces this year yeah there will definitely be more stuff at um what's it called uh gdc and uh e3 I don't think we'll see much more. I I looked at like the um, press conference lineup, and I didn't really mm-hmm. see anything else that looked kind of gaming related. Um, so yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think we're gonna see a whole lot more beyond what we've seen already. Um, let's see. Well, another like uh, gaming related thing was the Nvidia conference, and they like they announced. Um, they basically announced like a rent a PC service. Um, do you know about hmm. like PlayStation Now? How it's like a streaming service, and you're basically streaming yeah. PS3 games to your PS4. I guess yeah, you can yeah. do it to Mac now too, or to certain TVs. Okay. Well, it's the same kind of idea, but it's like a maxed out gaming PC, and you're basically like remote desktoping into it. And it okay. seemed, it seemed like a reasonable deal. It seemed like basically a dollar an hour. So it's like if you want to play like a twenty hour game. You know, you're going to see some like video resolution issues, but other than that, it'll work really well. So that's a cool idea. Um, but like super ser- services oriented. And then they also announced a new set top box, which I guess are still a thing. So what do you want to talk about? Drones, uh, Alexa, I, like Amazon uh, Alexa, set top so boxes. That, so the. The Alexa thing, I heard about it, but I didn't have a chance to really read into it. Um, stuff like, I hate to say it, but drones are, to me, I'm kind of boring. It's mm-hmm. like, great. It's a, okay, so you have rotors. Yeah. Well, so here, let me put this in context. Um, 
growing up, my dad had a really good friend. Like, he was probably his his best friend in our hometown. Um, who he would actually build and fly remote controlled airplanes, mm-hmm. like the big ones that were like four feet wingspan, uh, and like they were like biplanes and stuff like that. And we actually had one in um in my dad's office like up on a bookshelf like a really fucking big remote controlled biplane that his friend had built for him and they took out a couple times and i guess my dad probably paid for it uh paid Mm -hmm. for the parts and labor and stuff like that but he thought it was really cool so i was i've I've already been exposed to to stuff like that like like anything that's remote controlled it it it's like okay so you've gone from a helicopter to a quadcopter uh, so you're re- you, you you're able to do most of the exact same things. It's just they're a little more accessible. They're cheaper now. They're a little easier to use. Sure, you can attach a camera to it, but beyond that, I I mean, the footage you get from it's pretty cool. But I don't ever see myself owning a drone. So yeah. I'm not I'm not terribly uh, interested in those things. Oh, but well, the I'm Alexa, with you. <laughs> like the Alexa I... thing seemed really really cool though. Yeah. Well, I mean, Alexa, like just the news is that. You know, Amazon had a huge product last year with um, the Echo, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's just like no UI, you just speak to it, and it just does things for you. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect, because they don't have like a full stack of services, but mm-hmm. like you could have it make you notes, and those notes end up in an app on your phone, and you can do with them what you will. Um, okay. And so basically the news out of this CES, and maybe like the biggest news is just that it's like in everything you know like nobody's using google now nobody can use siri besides apple but everyone is using alexa in their like gadgets um as an interface like any appliance that's coming out it has alexa in it and so so well so are you talking about uh hardware developers yes okay yeah like um here hold on i'll open up this list and just read you the like insane amount of things well, so so my thoughts on on the Echo whenever it came out was okay. So it's a thing that you plug in that's got an always on microphone. Uh, you put it in your kitchen is what a lot of people are doing. Some people put mm-hmm. it in their office and they say, "Hey Alexa, do this," or "Hey Alexa, what is this?" or "Hey Alexa, whatever." And I can do that with my phone. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've for the last year I've had the big phone, and so it's got the always on, uh, and I won't say it because. If anyone's listening to this in a car, it's going to trigger their their phone. But mm-hmm. it's got its uh, its trigger command, and I can ask my phone to do most of these things. And ever since they opened up Siri to developers this fall for iOS 10, it, you can ask it to do just about anything. I mean, to some, to a certain degree. Yeah, uh, I think I'm... I think it's one of those you still have to learn. Uh, how to do things, but also, is it going to be easier to just instead of asking your phone to do something for you, just pick up your phone and type it in real quick? Yeah, so I think I think that's the difference between these two. I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I'm not interested in owning an Echo, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, where everybody's trying to get their piece of the pie and. They're trying to, like, own an interface, basically. Like, Amazon has completely owned this interface. Like, people... And people understand it. Like, that's the most important thing. It's like, okay, this is a simple appliance that I can just say, like, hey, play music for me, and it works. Or, um, 
you know, like make notes for me or order this thing for me and it works. I mean, that's probably what it's best at since it's Amazon. It's best as like a shopping interface. Yeah, um, or just a, a it's a consumption interface. It's, hey, I want something served to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. so here, listen to this. So um, there's four companies making TVs with Amazon and then like the Fire TV software in, built in. Okay. Um, they're putting it, LG's putting it in a refrigerator. Um, they're putting it into like a smart home hub. There's a different smart assistant made by Lenovo that's also running Alexa. Um, let's see. There's an LED lamp ring, which will like, it's basically like a smart home switch for a lamp. There's a portable speaker with Alexa. Let's see. Um, business neck buds. I don't know what those are, but I assume they're like earbuds with a battery that hangs around your neck. Yeah, it sounds like a Bluetooth headset sort of thing. Yeah. So that has Alexa, um, a five-device charging dock with Alexa. There's Whirlpools making new washers, dryers, refrigerators, and ovens with Alexa. There's a new DVR with Alexa. It goes on and on. Like, it's insane. There's a Roomba competitor from Samsung that has Alexa. Um, yeah, so... Hey, Roomba, go vacuum the floor. <laughs> yeah. Something Get... like that. That, that. That. I mean, okay, so... Uh, for the last two-ish years, uh, probably longer than two years, probably uh, about two years, I've been slowly working on a house design. I had an idea a while back. How could I do a container house, like taking shipping containers, turn it into a full-fledged house, and mm -hmm. not give up anything? Um, I did years of architecture work uh, like in, in my education before I moved out here to California, and so I, I know some of the rules and some of the ideas behind why you would build a house in a certain way. And so I've got this house designed out. I mentioned it um, when I was talking to my brother last week that I've got a, a mock-up of this built out of Lego uh, right next to my TV right now. Mm -hmm. And so as I've been going through and doing this, I've been thinking about stuff like this, like the idea of the connected home. Well, I can tell you right now that uh, I've already picked out a digital... Um, waterproof digital interface that would be mounted inside of the shower that you walk up, you type in what temperature you want the water, and you say go. And it doesn't actually spit out any water until the, the water is to temperature. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's all uh, water heating, like on-demand water heating. So it's uh, an electric coil that heats up the water as it's being fed to it. So like all of the... Um, it, it, it's the idea of we have the technology to do a lot of really cool shit in the home. And so let's go ahead and start doing those things. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the home automation stuff, like walking in and saying, uh, Hey Alexa, turn on the lights. I don't necessarily, like you can put in motion sensors for that for it to know that you're home or you can set up like everybody's got their phone in their pocket. I mean, th this is our culture now. Mm -hmm. Every, everybody's got their phone in their pocket or they've got their, their fancy new uh, digital watch. And so if you ha if you can build in the, the location services that say, hey, if you detect this watch in this space from this time to this time, like like an IFTTT uh, recipe or something like that, mm -hmm. if you detect this device within this space from this time to this time, do the following. Turn on the lights or uh, open the windows or close the windows or turn off the lights or, or whatever. And what I've been thinking is, hell, whenever I build this out, if I ever build out this house, at the same time, 
why not go in and spend a couple extra thousand dollars and buy a handful of iPad minis and just mount them in the wall, like mm-hmm. run power to them, mount them in the wall. And as long as they're plugged in, they will always have the ability to listen for the uh, iOS trigger word to activate Siri. Mm-hmm. So hell, why not do that? And then start treating it like it were, you know, the whole Jarvis thing, uh, like what what we saw in Iron Man uh, over the last decade of those movies, or what uh, Zuckerberg's trying to put out with Facebook right now. So you, you the, right now, you know, first week of January 2017, there are consumer products already on the market that do a lot of these things, mm-hmm. and you can tell Siri to turn on the lights. Turn off the lights, turn the lights up, turn the lights down, open the garage door, whatever. You can already do it. You just have to have the device available to do it. So what's the difference, and this is this is kind of my take on it, what is the difference between having an Amazon Echo in my kitchen or having an iPad in my kitchen? Like um, when, whenever you're just saying a trigger command and then telling it to do something. You should be able to, they should do the exact same thing. They should, but at least at this point, Siri isn't uh, at the same level that Alexa is because Alexa is fully open, you know, like Siri, you can only make apps in like five categories. Like it's like mapping money, like money transfers specifically. Um, Let me think. I I can't remember them off the top of my head, but like you can't even like control a podcast or like a music player. Unless it's Apple Music, you know, like outside of that, you can't tell it be like, you can't say like, um, yo dingus play, you know, whatever <laughs> band on Spotify, like yeah. it, it just won't do that. But on Alexa, you can do that. And okay. people really like it because of that. So at least right now, that's the big difference. And I mean, HomeKit isn't there yet. Like, I don't know what, uh, Amazon specifically using, but I doubt that it's pretty good. And mm-hmm. Google Home, I know, isn't even like up to snuff with HomeKit. So, I mean, all of these things are still works in progress. Like, I don't think anybody's like declared a winner or anything. My takeaway was just like, it's astounding how many people are using this as their interface instead of like a uh, screen interface or something. And it seems like Amazon like finally has their kind of OS. Even mm-hmm. if it's not like an actual tactile operating system, yeah. it's just this really like, uh, I mean, it seems pretty well made like voice assistant or voice yeah. uh, controlled operating system. So yeah, I was just kind of blown away by um, all the stuff, all of the things. Yeah. Well, whenever I heard that the, that Alexa was now an operating system, I didn't I didn't realize that there were that many devices that were coming out with this, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I like I said, I'm trying to plan out this house idea. I I really don't want to have that many things connected to the internet. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the, the the house will be wired for uh, information networks, but I don't. I mean, aside from like RFIDing everything I put in the refrigerator, and then whenever I take something out, like it it knows the, like having it to where it can read the weight and what the item is. Oh, well, you just used a quarter. Uh, a quarter cup of butter. Okay, so you it puts on like whenever you run below a certain amount, then it adds it to a shopping list and setting up logic for that or something like that. But I mean, we've gotten by pretty well <laughs> up to this point without having to have everything fucking connected to the internet. 
Like, yeah. I don't need a coffee pot connected to the internet. Yep. Like, I mean, I do see the benefit of me laying in bed at five in the morning, whenever my alarm goes off and go, picking up my phone going, start coffee, go. And then kind of hitting the snooze button and sleeping for another 20 minutes. And then whenever I get up, coffee is ready. So mm-hmm. I do see the benefit of that, but there's, I guess there's, there's a certain point where it just feels like too much is out there. Too much is wired. Too much is uh, available for people to potentially hack into. I mean, there's the security ramifications, but there's also, it feels like we're, we're busying our life or our lives and, and adding complexity that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And maybe for some people it makes things easier, but I mean, it, I, I, I'm not a wealthy man, so I can't go out and buy all the gadgets and see how it works in my life. But there's a part of me that doesn't really want to, because it, it feels like that just, kind of feels a little bit gross it, it might be kind of cool but it also feels kind of gross yeah no i agree with you and i think it's like adding needless clutter to your life mm-hmm. and i think adding android to a dishwasher or adding ios to a dishwasher or whatever makes that dishwasher worse because all of a sudden it's like you have this mechanical thing that you can open up and repair and all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like there's this huge software component to it and that yeah. needs support And like, you know, that's giving this thing that could last 10, 15 years, a shelf life of five when Apple or Google, I mean, if it's Google, it's a lot less when they stop supporting it. Yeah. So yeah, it, it adds a lot of complications and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I agree with you. I'm not super hot on like the smart home. But um, yeah, I could see where some people would like it, and I think it's fancy and kind of neat, but not not for me personally. Like the most I do is put in a switch for like um, a light. So if I'm like out of town, I could turn on a light in my house or something to make oh, it I, look I, like I was there. But you can do already, with a, that with a I've, timer. Yeah, that, I mean that we went and spent I think twenty dollars uh, a year and some change ago. We went on uh, two vacations in two months. We went to Florida to visit some cousins and then went to the Midwest to go visit my family. And before we we left on the first trip, I went ahead and went to the local Target and found this like fifteen or twenty dollar uh, light or like a just a three prong timer that you can say okay well turn whatever is plugged into here on between the hours of 5 a.m and 8 a.m and -hmm. turn things on from 8 p.m till midnight and so my desk lamp so my desk is right next to the outer wall of our apartment and it looks down on the parking lot where we park and and all that and it's next to the sliding glass door that leads out onto our balcony and so i have my desk lamp mounted to the windowsill and from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. and from 8 p.m. until midnight every day my lamp is on Mm -hmm. and so I mean so that's usually during summer hours so right now it's from 4 a.m. till 7 a.m. and from 7 p.m. till 11 uh, p.m. so like 7 a.m. as I'm putting on my shoes sitting in the living room all of a sudden everything goes dark because Mm -hmm. it becomes 7 a.m. but I mean that that's just as good of a solution it's yeah totally. it's like it's like digitally like using an app to schedule something except there's an actual piece of hardware that's doing it mm-hmm. and if that piece of hardware breaks then i just go and get a new piece of hardware for it and it's going to cost me 15 bucks sure but i don't have to go and fiddle with fucking software and have to reset anything up it's just it's a button that says do this or do this or turn just go ahead and turn the signal on or turn the signal off mm-hmm. so you don't have to do a lot with that yeah 
Um, um, well, so speaking of uh, speaking of the CES stuff, uh, on two, I know we wanted to talk about this on Tuesday. There was the big, uh, the big unveil of the. Okay, so uh, how can I put this into context? Um, the name I've been using on the internet for the last twenty years. Like, I've been online since Prodigy Online back in, like, 1992. Um, but I didn't actually start being prolific online and, like, hanging out and talking to people until I was, like, 14 or 15. And I'm almost 35 now. Mm-hmm. So almost 20 years. Um, I've been using the last name Faraday since then. It's meant to be a pseudonym, and that's just online persona. I know plenty of people that that's what they do. Uh, if you go to my Facebook page, it has my real last name, uh, but also it has links to uh, the William Faraday uh, page that has all the stuff on the fashion stuff I work on and on this podcast and stuff like that. So the Faraday name I've been using for 20 years. And about two years ago, I found out that there was a car company that decided to call themselves Faraday because mm-hmm. it's an electric car company and they want to name themselves after the inventor of the electric motor, Michael Faraday. Mm-hmm. Differences between the two names is that I have an I in the one that I use, and Michael Faraday's name does not have one. So that's that's the only real differentiation. It's pronounced the exact same way. And I think, so I stole the idea of using the name Faraday from my older brother, from something he was working on back back in the, the early 90s, and I've been using it for my stuff ever since. Um, and I think he misspelled it. And he can argue how he... He, he wanted to phonetically make a name for this thing he was working on, and it just so happened to be Faraday. He had no intention of it being Michael Faraday, based on Michael Faraday. So he can he can say all that, but to me, everything that I've ever thought of, I thought he was trying to say it was the same name as Michael Faraday, and it just it was just misspelled. Mm-hmm. So for the last five years or so, I've been the owner of Faraday.com and previous to that, a couple years earlier than that, I became the owner of WilliamFaraday.com. And so when this car company comes up a couple years ago, I'm like, Oh, well that's cute. There's an automotive company that's calling itself Faraday. And this is kind of in, um, it, it bothers me because of what my actual profession is. Won't get into the company I work for, but let's just say I know a little bit about the field. And their unveiling last year was a shit show at best. Mm-hmm. I, I never ended up watching it because everything that I heard from people that I, tr- the opinions that I trust were don't waste your fucking time. It's a fucking shit show. I saw their Batmobile that they, they unveiled, which is their concept car, the FF01. And it looked like a hypercar concept car thing that's never going to see the live day aside from being at a trade show yeah i'm not a concept car guy (laughs) oh i think concept cars are fucking awesome as long as you can actually make them as long as you can say well here is here's this this essence of what this idea is and then the company can actually turn around and say okay well here's the production model and you see that they are near identical you you, they have they have to kind of round off some of the edges uh, for production, uh, if you know anything about automotive production, yes, you have to. <laughs> economies of scale get in the way of a lot of little cool shit things that you could like. For instance, um, the the Tesla Model X, which is one of the competitors to this Faraday Future vehicle that they uh, unveiled. Uh, the Falcon Wing doors on the Model X 
whenever they first unveiled it back in 2012, everyone's like, oh, that fucking looks amazing. Uh, we can't wait to see what the production model is actually going to look like. There's no way in hell they're going to actually build that onto a, a shipping production car because that's too much of a pain in the ass. Gullwing doors, you're only going to find those on cars that are quarter of a million dollars and more because they're a pain in the ass. And then Tesla went and actually shipped Model X with the Falcon Wing doors and come to find out one of the big reasons for the delay of them shipping it, and it was two years late, uh, was because of the Falcon Wing doors and getting certain aspects of them to work. So, yeah, it's a pain in the ass, apparently. And mm-hmm. like, it, But that, that was one of those things that from a... Uh, a what what it what it, the term that Tesla ended up using for it, um, a uh, design prototype of a vehicle, taking the essence of that and still translating it into a final production vehicle, and if anything, making it look better. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at the pictures of the uh, original unveiling of Model X in 2012, and then look at the um, pictures on their website right now of the production vehicle that is actually shipping, it is a night and day difference, and then the the real one looks so much better. Like uh, I don't know if you're at all a car guy or anything like that, uh, but like the, just the front end of it looks it's it's like looks a little bit ugly on the old on the of a, uh, of a design prototype and then on the on the actual production version it looks fantastic because mm-hmm. they ended up kind of making it a little more sporty a little more pointed a little more aerodynamic so yeah I'm, personally I'm I, th- I think it looks a car guy yeah. at all um it's but i do like how normal cars look generally yeah like it takes a lot to like rub me the wrong way but just generally concept cars you know they're usually just too over the top and I can't see how it it's going to like turn into a normal car. Um, so yeah, I'm usually just generally like turned off to them. Yeah. Well, so this, uh, during this Faraday unveil, so I, okay. So Tuesday night I got home about seven forty-five, eight o'clock. The unveil was like six or seven and it was an hour and a half long. And so I get home and I have dinner with my wife and she's like, I'm going to go ahead and crash out early. I'm not feeling great. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit out here and dork around the internet or something like that. And I'm flipping through my phone. I go, oh, right, there was that Faraday unveil. Let's see what their SUV uh, is going to end up looking like. And so I went ahead and started trying to watch it on my phone. I was like, oh, no, I know what this is going to turn into. So I went ahead and loaded up the uh, the file for it on YouTube on my Apple TV and just sat there like open tweetbot on my phone like all right i'm ready to do this and proceeded to live tweet the entire fucking thing mm-hmm. and yes. based on was... based on your <laughs> tweets i feel like i came away a little bit more positive from this event than you oh god it was bad it was so bad okay so first off um i i've seeing all the the Tesla unveils and stuff like that. And it's not exactly a secret that Mr. Elon Musk is not the best of public speakers. He has a, I, I not a, I wouldn't say a speech impediment. He stutters a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I even stutter a little bit whenever I really start going and I, my brain is moving faster than my mouth is. And so I don't, I don't hold that against him. And once you get used to it, then you're like, okay, he's just talking. 
it's and some events he's better at speaking clearly than at other ones like the the mars event uh the spacex mars event that they did a couple months ago where he was talking about what the plan is to to launch the red dragon um uh, rockets and the 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 i don't even know what they i can't remember what they call them but the 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 mars landing colony ships mm-hmm. they're gonna have like five thousand people per each one or something the pods cra- yeah something fucking crazy and that event it was beautiful and there were a few spots where where he kind of stumbled over words uh but all in all it was easy to not be distracted by his manner of speaking i could not fucking follow the faraday thing it mm-hmm. well first off forgetting forgetting about the um the vp of whatever sort of production or design that uh was out pre- presenting most of the event forgetting about how he speaks cuz i'll get to that in a second forgetting at that it was like they were trying to have an entire manifesto of why they exist as a company mm-hmm. and no like so i work in the valley up here in the bay area so i i kind of understand what the purpose of this was this is to say hey believe in us come work for us help us actually make this product uh we want we without saying it well so the first first 45 minutes of this thing they don't even mention tesla and yet it ended up being kind of the elephant in the room mm-hmm. saying okay well they are trying to it, it and, the, and i put this in 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 uh one of my tweets is that it's like they went through and said okay well here is a list of 20 different buzz terms about the ev market that they need to check off on every one of these okay it's here to save the planet it's energy efficient it's going to get um so many miles and it's going to alleviate range anxiety and so forth and so on like down a list of 20 different things and i'm familiar with all of these because i get to hear them all the damn time here in the valley so i'm sitting there like watching this and so the the, let's talk about the first guy so his speech impediment and i'm gonna say it's an impediment because he kind of slurs um well first off he's uh he's scottish and so he has an accent. So for a lot of a lot of us that are English speakers here in the United States, we aren't so used to that accent. Um, so it's, it's it sounds a little weird. Like I'm I work with plenty of people from uh, the UK, and uh, most of them are from Britain. So I'm used to the the kind of English the different English accents. But you get more into to the northern part of the UK and into Scotland and Ireland, then you start it, it st- really sounds a little bit different. It takes a second to get used to it. And if you're not familiar with it or not as familiar with it, then it's going to be a little distracting. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, he just happened to slur, and that's just it sounds like that's just a peach, uh, speech impediment on his behalf. And I don't want to hold that against anybody because we all have little quirks about us or imperfections um that it technically really if you want to get down to it it's just what makes us all different and it's not uh something that's better or worse about anybody so that being said it was distracting trying to listen to him talk but it, he would he he was mentioning all of these different buzz terms and it was like slide 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 next mm-hmm. next next and they weren't elaborating on any of the shit that they were talking about and i'm just s- sitting there like 
are are you going to go into that at all? Are you going to talk about how you were able to achieve a thousand horsepower and so many foot pounds of torque? Or is it a single motor uh, design for your your chassis, or is it a dual motor design? Or are you guys crazy enough to try to put four motors, like one per each wheel? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you going about building out a hundred and thirty kilowatt hour battery pack on this thing? They're not going into they weren't going into any of the details about how this actually worked. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it was meant to be a vehicle unveil. And the, instead of saying, hey, this is who we are. Here's what our thing is. And maybe it's because they didn't take that take the, uh, the, the opportunity to do it last year to say, here's who we are as a company. We have so many employees. Here's really what our mission is. And mm-hmm. then elaborate on the mission a little bit and say, here's our, our first concept car. This is the essence of what we eventually want to achieve. Uh, and between now and next year, we're going to be working on this really, really great uh, vehicle that we're going to unveil this time next year and make it nice and short and sweet. They show off the the hypercar that they that they created, and then they know they're not going to ship it. So don't spend any more time than you fucking have to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, let the then, press take pictures and yeah, move on. Yeah, exactly. And make it to where people go, oh, wow, that's really cool. Don't tell them any more than they have to know. And don't don't let people don't give them a chance to get bored, because I think with the event this week, everybody got real fucking bored real quick. Everyone who I've talked to, they've been like, "Oh my god, that was the worst to have to sit through." And then, whenever they actually unveil the car, and okay, so watching the Tesla Model X unveil a year and some change ago, whenever they finally shut off the production version of the Model X. They kind of did the same sort of thing. They didn't do the, ready, you want to see what's underneath the the sheet, and ta-da, here's the new car. Instead, for the like for the Tesla event, it was, we're talking about this thing, oh, and here's the car pulling out on stage, and they didn't make a big deal about it. They're like, oh, yep, and there it is, and here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how the, the doors work, and I guess they felt that the options and the features of it were more important than the actual industrial design of the or the production design of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. That's that's up to Elon to figure out, I'm assuming. Uh, but then with Faraday, they were like, okay, yeah, oh, and there it is, driving through the back lot, and it's going to go find a parking space. Um, uh, Tesla Model S and Model X with their Autopilot 1 suite, I think that's what it's called, um, that a, a year ago, those cars could parallel park and mm-hmm. could... Uh, pull into a parking space forward or backwards or whatever. And I think the the demo video they did for it was a Model S backing into a parking space as they put on the Faraday uh, unveil. Oh, it's it's going to be fancier or something to that effect. Uh, trying to be cool and it's going to back into the parking space. And like that, to me, that was a really shitty way to unveil a car that you've teased the industrial design of. It's like, oh, there it is driving in. It would be one thing if later on in the unveil, if they drove out, they had like the CEO of Le Echo, who's actually the founder of Faraday Future. Le Echo is the the main financier for Faraday Future. And so he drives their production prototype, whatever it is. He drives that out onto stage effectively. Mm-hmm. and then proceeds to not be able to park the car. Uh, yeah. So that that's a whole separate thing, and 
hey, you know what? You're you have technical difficulties during events all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that that was unfortunate for them. I don't want to hold that against them. Um but you know, hey, that that kind of sucked a little bit. Yeah. Um, I I think that the uh the like backing in thing as like the reveal of the car was really weird too. I'm surprised they didn't just show it first or how they did like the um the like speed test with all the different cars. Oh God. That like that could have been the reveal or something. You have it like pull in and everybody gets to take a picture and then it speeds off and you're like, and that's why it's so awesome. Yeah. But instead they like backed in and showed like this weird video and you're like, I can't even really see it. Well, so I know you and I are both really familiar with uh, Apple unveils Mm -hmm. and the way that they tend to unveil Apple unveils its products is they're like, Hey, here's a product. We're gonna talk about different features that we're gonna build into it. And this is this is if they have like a big industrial design or the the initial uh, release of a product, the very first time you're gonna see it on stage. Mm-hmm. What they'll do is they'll talk about it and they'll be like, "Here's what we tried to create and as an idea." And they'll go over the idea and they'll drill it into your head. And they'll be like, "And we've made a film to sh- to introduce it to you." Mm-hmm. And like with uh, Apple Watch two years ago. That's exactly what they did. They talked about it and they're like, the we think the wrist is going to be a great place for technology to, to live at, at uh, some point in the near future. Uh, and so here's what we're trying to do and here's what we tried to accomplish. And here now we're going to show it to you. And then they had this beautiful film of showing how it's made and showing all the colors and all the options and on and on and on. And Apple is great about their marketing. Their marketing is probably better than their products. Uh, and I love their products. Uh, I've been using Apple devices for well over a decade now, uh, ever since I moved out to the Bay Area. And that's exactly what Faraday should have done. They had the film. They showed the film. They like mm-hmm. th- That was the last thing they did. And it, they should have been like, okay, now we're going to show this to you. We've spent a lot of time on it. We hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then show them show the film. And then after the film, they go... Then they can start showing. Okay, no. Well, we have one in the back. We're going to show this. This. Then we're going to show it. Do this, mm-hmm. and then we're going to do this, and we're gonna, then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. And I mean, it. It. It was. It seemed it, weird. instead of instead of going off as a bang, it went off as a whimper, mm-hmm. and that was a missed opportunity for them. Yeah. And you know, like. I don't like the car. I think the car is really ugly, and I think they overcomplicated it. And I think that they're never going to be able to build a production model um, with all the, the the features and options that they an- announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, how can I articulate this? The reason why they're not going to be able to do it is because it's going to cost too much money. And until they get a factory built up and that they can actually build at scale, then it's just vaporware. Yeah, and they're they're gonna try to to deliver three hundred of their alliance um, edition or whatever it's called that you put down the five thousand dollars for. Mm-hmm. Not you, but people were paying five thousand dollars to put in a reservation for this thing. Um, they're gonna try to 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 deliver it uh, March of this year, March of next year, something like that. And without a big ass factory, which takes a while to build, mm-hmm. then they're not gonna be able to do that. And unless they are really looking at the mass market and trying to do what Tesla was trying to say, okay, well, we're going to do the Roadster, which is really, really expensive, and we're only going to do a few of them. And we're going to do a Model S, which is not as expensive, and we're going to do a lot of those and start building those out. 
uh, indefinitely. And the same thing with the Model X, and that's built on the same platform. And we're going to do those so that we can fund the development end to build out the production cap capacity to do a low price or a lower price um, mass market vehicle, which is what they announced earlier this year with the Model 3. And unless Faraday is looking at that market, then nothing that they do really, really fucking matters. Because mm -hmm. you already have GM, they're shipping the Bolt right now. They've already been delivering them here in the Bay Area. There's a handful of them that are already on the road. Um, you've already got the Leaf, you've got the different types of uh, Prius, you've got the i3. You've got all of these that are priced appropriately to be mass market vehicles and the space is already getting pretty fucking crowded and yes. apparently apple has pushed off their ambitions to release a car and they're gonna they're focusing on software and um sort of uh, autonomous driving capabilities and things like that or at least that's the rumor so you've got well-established big name companies like tesla and like apple who are who well tesla is the one actually de delivering um 20, plus vehicles every quarter mm -hmm. if faraday is not able to hit the ground running and have the production capacity to do a third of that every quarter out the gate then the company is not going to last because the automotive com the automotive industry is very very difficult to get into and very difficult to survive like after the recession back in 2008, we saw how many different brands of car disappear. Like they don't, nobody makes Pontiac anymore. That was a GM uh, brand. They closed it down mm -hmm. because it was a liability. They did the same thing with Saturn. Uh, Ford shut down a few of their um, smaller brands. Uh, they they shifted focus from doing different cars all over the world to having a one a one Ford idea that uh, all cars built globally are built on the same. Like, every Fiesta that's built in the world is built the same way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a right-hand drive, there's a left-hand drive. Uh, and they build some of them in the UK, they build some of them in Mexico, and they probably build some of them in China because they have factories everywhere. So, unless Faraday's willing and ready to step up to the plate and do things like that, then the company's not, not going to last. Yeah. And Well, it, what I've heard of the or about the company itself is that a bunch of people left this last year. Um, oh yeah, they did. And they've had kind of a troubled time. So, you know, it's like, there's even question as to if these 300 cars are going to ship. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. It's like, the thing is like, they got this car out there and I'm not crazy about it either, but it does look like they're trying to make something that looks different that, they're playing for the high end, so, you know, it could work. You know, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt um, just because, like, they did get it out there and the demo wasn't yeah. perfect or anything, but it seems well, fine. Well, they, they tried. Yeah, for sure. And So some colleagues and I were, were talking about this on Wednesday, um, and what what we've kind of come to the consensus, consensus is that uh, the FF91, which, by the way, Nine one, where they went from FF zero one to FF nine one. So where are the other ninety variants of, or did they go through ninety ideas before they got to this one? I, so naming conventions confuse me with things like that. They mm -hmm. they might as well have just called it the uh, FF uh, ZX uh, five thousand whatever four twenty like, blaze it. 
Yeah, they, they could have just they they could have just come up with some ridiculous name for it. Um, but they FF nine one. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Um, but what we what we came to the conclusion was that it's probably going to be a quarter of a million dollar vehicle. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to make very many of them. And the whole purpose of this presentation was to try to keep interest in the brand. And people go, oh, well, let's give them a chance. Or if there are investors out there, or private investors, because it's not a public company, mm-hmm. private investors going, okay, well, we're going to give you a little bit of extra money so that you can pay your bills and make sure that you can actually try to deliver these vehicles. I think that was the real purpose of this presentation. And it was like a, the Hail Mary pass that they they got to deliver this idea uh and they need to make it compelling and so that financiers can go and go come out there and go okay we want to help you bring this to market and we want to own part of your company and so forth yeah i think what you said about um this basically being like recruiting propaganda for the company to yeah uh is true and meaningful like i definitely think this will renew interest and help them get some people in the door I mean, like my opinion, I don't know if it if that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And part of me just because of how bad it was, like I, I I guess my my feelings in talking about it right now have evolved from just fury, just like, God damn it, this was terrible. How could you put something like that out there? Because mm-hmm. I love great products. I love compelling products. I love like uh, I, I try not to be as much of a consumer as um as what our our society really encourages us to be, uh, I don't go and buy the new MacBook Pro every time a new one comes out. I don't buy a new iMac every time a new piece of hardware comes out. I don't buy a new phone every year, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate uh, great products and say, okay, well, that is a good that's that's a good evolution from uh, product one to well version one to version two to version three to version four, and whenever a company comes out there and goes, okay. Well, here's something that we just threw everything, including the kitchen sink, at the wall, tried to see what stuck, and then we just made it as 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 shiny as possible. And, I mean, there's a term for that, which is polishing a turd. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, part of me feels like that's kind of what ended up happening with this, is that it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, everything that we think that Tesla should have done with the Model S and the Model X or where we think that uh, automotive companies that are trying to get into the EV space and the uh, and the uh, autonomous space, things that they should be doing with their cars. Let's let's put it all in. And that's fine. But, you know, there's a reason why... There's a reason why uh, companies, whenever they introduce a product, they'll introduce a very rudimentary version of that product. And next year, they'll add more features and the following year they'll add more features and the following year they'll add more features until by uh version four or five it is the full idea of what that product was originally supposed to be yeah Uh, but for instance like think of the original iphone it didn't actually become the real kind of what you wanted as an iphone until you know the iphone 4 the 4s Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean i totally agree it's just with what they're trying to do and with this being a super high-end car I feel like they did kind of have to do all the bells and whistles to make it work. So, yeah. I'm curious I'm curious to what what's not going to end up going into it. Like I'm I'll put money on it 
that those fancy FF wheels, or like if you go back and watch the presentation at all, mm-hmm. if you look at the center cap on the wheels, it's like a like the center cap on Bentleys, where it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't ro- uh, rotate with the tire. It's mm-hmm. static and it's backlit with an LED. And it's like that's pretty fancy. That's gonna be expensive. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not gonna put my money on. It, it's one of those. This is a pony that I'm not willing to to put my money on. From what I've heard of the company, I am with you. I don't know if this thing will ever show up. So. Oh, and and one other one other beef after uh after their unveil a year ago, they put up a their website. It's like here's our, our concept car. Here's what our company's trying to do. Here's our designers. And my background, my education is in fashion design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also done a couple years of a master program, master's program for industrial design. So I've been all over the board with this stuff, and I I know a little bit about kind of the cultures behind them and the type of people that tend to get into these different fields the video that they showed of their designers it was just like a like a five or ten second animated gif i guess and it was these people that were wearing relatively nice suits but all they're doing is voguing for the camera Mm -hmm. and the industrial designers that i know don't really do that they're they're not trying to like, I mean like even if it's for the website they'll be like okay let's take a picture and they'll they'll try to be composed and like here I'm going to give you a good picture here's who I am or if they're working on something and a lot of these people that I know that are that work in design they would rather they're okay so there's a difference between being a model and being um someone actually making the clothes Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever, whenever I was in, uh, school getting my menswear design degree, uh, I would actually see, so there was a joke we had and, uh, the, two different girls are walking into the fashion department and I mean, this can go for, for guys as well. Um, but the joke was two different girls because it was like 80% women and 20% men, mm-hmm. two different girls walking into the fashion department. The first one doesn't look like she has slept in a week. She... Wearing sweatpants, her hair's all a mess. Um, doesn't look like she actually gives a fuck about what she's wearing. You, and you see this person walking into the fashion department, so you kind of you're like, okay, what the fuck's she doing in fashion? And then you have the other girl who's walking into the fashion department. She's dressed to the nines. Looks like she got up at four thirty in the morning so she could do her hair, do her nails, do her makeup, um, make sure that all of the things are shaved, and is wearing the the latest from whatever designer and has a Louis Vuitton purse and has Gucci sunglasses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So of these two individuals and based on their outward appearance, which one do you think is a fashion design student? And which one do you think is a fashion merchandising student? And when you put it that way, it kind of, it's self-explanatory. The, (laughs) The girl who hasn't slept in a week is the design student. Mm-hmm. And the person who looks amazing is the merchandising student because merchandisers have to be able to put together the, the, the package. Mm-hmm. But the designers are the ones who are actually being the creatives. And they're the ones who are actually having to do all the the, the hard work of understanding what the story is that, that you're trying to tell. So and, so basically the, the voguing was a red flag for you? 
it, it was a huge red flag. It's like, these aren't real designers because like all they're doing is they're trying, they're like, Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. And that's, if, if someone is like deeply, deeply cares about the work that they're doing about their creation, about their process. And this is an art thing. Um, I've known plenty of artists that have this same sort of mindset and people are completely free to disagree with me. But from my perspective, the people that I've met that have been artists, that have been designers, they care more about the work than they do about their own ego. Mm-hmm. And whenever you see people being being like, hey, stroke my ego, then that's kind of like, all right, well, they're not taking the work as seriously as they need to. And maybe this is the sort of shit that got drilled into my head whenever I was in fashion school because we would have our directors of design being like, you're not spending any time working on actually designing stuff you're 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 trying to dress someone mm-hmm. so why aren't you in merchandising like you're not actually doing the hard work which is you know being creative and, ha- and thinking through the problem solving mm-hmm. i could see where you're getting that i i it doesn't like set up as much of a red flag for me though just because you know it could have just been as easily like the creative director for like the photo shoot was like okay like do a pose you know <laughs> Yeah, and and that that is something that is something I was I I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but if if the 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 designers who it's their it's them being represented, Mm -hmm. if they have any say, or and they should fight for that say to say hey you're gonna make me look like a fucking moron by doing that, so why don't we just have here's a, a static picture of me. Like, here are designers. Here are four people or five people or six people or whatever, and just I'm wearing my nice suit. Here's a, a nice picture of me in front of whatever or in front of drawings that are hanging on a wall that says, oh, this person is an industrial designer or this person's an interior designer for automotive, things like that. That that makes more sense than seeing people like, oh, I'm buttoning my jacket and adjusting my collar and, and like... It's a little bit much, and it doesn't feel right. And there's, like I said, there was a bunch of us that were just like, "Oh no, this this feels really bad." Mm-hmm. And if I'm feeling that way, then I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of people that are professionals that are in the automotive industry that are probably feeling the same way. Because the automotive industry, whereas, uh, whereas people are, they can have their ego wrapped up into things, and they are designers, and they they work for whatever big name. Ferrari, Bugatti, uh, Aston Martin, whoever. They can work for all these big, fancy-named companies. There's a certain pride that they take in their work of the of the automotive designers that I've met, and, and there's a seriousness to it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't... If you, if you come off as almost making a joke out of the whole thing, then you're not going to have other designers take you seriously. You're mm-hmm. not going to have the industry taking you seriously. And I think that's a lot of the reaction to this event on Tuesday. That's the reaction to the event last year. And that's probably one big reason why the the industry is going, oh, yeah, well, this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I just, like, it wasn't a great presentation, but at the same time, it's like over the year that I wrote about games, I watched a lot of pretty mediocre press conferences. 
And it's super rare that there's someone who's like a great presenter like Steve Jobs or, you know, like some current people at Apple um, mm-hmm. or like is a compelling enough personality to get by the with the flaws like Elon. Um, yeah. yeah. And like that's just super rare. So, you know, like I felt like even though it wasn't super polished and like the order was weird like those people they're not natural presenters but i feel like they did okay um yeah i I just i didn't come off as cold as you did i'm super not i'm like still not optimistic (laughs) about them as a company or anything but yeah it just didn't rub me like just based on your tweets after like watching it i like read your tweets and i was like whoa (laughs) like i didn't get most of that like i'm not crazy about the car but uh i'm okay well, I, I will I will admit their their head of design, uh, the guy with the glasses, he probably mm-hmm. had the best composure out of any of the ones that are out there presenting. Mm-hmm. Like the the second guy who's like clapping, he's like, "Yeah, come on, clap at this thing that we're doing." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "You're being your own cheerleader." I mean, that's why you have people, you know, off camera like trying to get the audience to clap during you know, like anytime you have like a, a game show on or something like that or, or like a talk show. Like, it's not your job to clap to your own jokes. Mm-hmm. Or like laugh at your own jokes, um, and the like. Okay, so the beef, the big beef that I had with the the drag race bit that they were trying to do in the middle, and that's the whole reason why they had the tent set up that way and whatever, mm-hmm. is you've got what four or five different cars. You had well, you had four cars plus the FF nine one. You had a uh what was it a bentley a ferrari and then a model s and a well a model x and then a model s mm-hmm. and the model x and the model s were both the top end versions of those cars um and something i think is really funny is you could tell that they just took delivery of those cars because of the stickers in the windows um because i remember taking delivery of my car a couple years ago and the sticker that you have up in the the front glass on the front windscreen that's mm-hmm. like that's the california way of saying yes this is a new car this is why we don't have plates yeah and okay so i don't know if you if you have ever been a fan of the tv show top gear or of the new uh thing that the that trio is doing uh for the grand tour john reed uh, loved top gear so mm-hmm. i've seen some of it but i'm not a car guy so <laughs> okay yeah, okay i don't follow um it. And uh, so to be clear, uh, John Reed is a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Top Gear, and because they were trying to make stuff scientifically accurate whenever they were testing vehicles, um, they would, whenever they, they would do the big uh, timed lap around their track on the airfield, they would always have the same driver do it. And every couple years, they would get a different driver, and that was the Stig. Uh, so there was, like, the Stig in the black suit, and then there was the Stig in the white suit, and then they got a, a third Stig after um, the guy who was the second Stig came out publicly and said, I am Stig. So whenever they went, whenever they went from one Stig to the other, they wiped the board clean, and mm-hmm. they went out and they took a dozen or so cars, took them around the track so that they could get their times for that driver. And so whenever you're doing something like a drag race, unless the, the two cars are head-to-head, and even then, it it really falls on the driver and the expertise of that specific driver. You can't have a drag race for time to say, okay, well, here's the time of this vehicle, 0 to 60, and it be scientifically accurate and comparable to other vehicles to say that this Ferrari, this Bentley, and this Tesla 
zero to sixty, they're all compare com, uh, comparable because well, we lined them up on the same track and they started at the same point and they went to the same point and zero to sixty between uh, between the okay, so here's here are their zero to sixty times. Unless you have the same driver, it it means fuck all. It does mm-hmm. not mean anything. And whenever they go out there and they're like, oh, well, the FF91 was one one-hundredth of a second faster than a Tesla Model S P100D. It's like, um, you didn't have the same driver. You got to have the same driver to be able to say something like that. Mm-hmm. And for them to have that slide ready to go, um, I I don't know if I believe Yes. that... It- that during that that event, they actually timed them and typed that up real quick. It was not a scientific test; it was a gimmick. But I, yeah. I honestly, I thought it was a pretty successful gimmick. It was like just like, hey, this can stand up with the other stuff. This is like a supercar. Yeah, I go. mean, it it looks like it, it's going to be super quick. Uh, unless you actually sit in that car, you're not going to be able to really know what zero to sixty in two and a half seconds is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read up on this. Uh, after, uh, like, I actually went and looked for this. I think the fastest time that a Model S P100D, which is their fastest one using the ludicrous mode and all that, um, the, f- the fastest time that anyone's been able to clock on one of these is 0 to 60 in 2.38 seconds. Mm-hmm. So quite a bit faster than what they had one going, like, whenever they were testing it up against the uh, FF91. So yeah. until, until you... Until the vehicle, until the production model is out and they've delivered them and there's an independent body that can compare them, then it's like, eh. Like, uh, so it's it's one thing for Apple to say, okay, well, here's some benchmarks on this uh, this laptop that we have. Mm-hmm. Using the Geekbench uh, application, this is how much it does, whatever. That's one thing because they're they're about to ship that goddamn product. They're shipping it the next day, if not the next week. And people will be able to verify those numbers relatively mm-hmm. quickly um for a car company that's maybe not going to deliver at all or it's going to deliver a year later making those types of claims i mean it might be something sexy to put up on the screen during that presentation it might be a gimmick but to me it doesn't serve a purpose and if anything it feels like they're lying and they're, or they're misleading the customer and saying okay well we're going to make this thing that does all they're it's going to they're promising the world and then it's not actually going to deliver anything. So yeah. that's that's what I worry about. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, we'll see if the car shows up even at all. So Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. uh Well hey, uh, it I know it is it is getting late for you and I and uh like right now it's eleven o'clock on, on Thursday night here on the mm-hmm. West Coast. So um we've been going at this for about an hour and a half. I think I think it's okay for us to to call it a night. Okay. Uh, yeah, we can wrap it. Yeah, if you like, I definitely want to get you back on here in the next month or two. Like, if you want, we can we can try to jump on once a month and catch up about different things and talk about different stuff going on in tech or um, whatever else. Because you know, uh, I I really wanted to set this pod podcast up to be completely open subject matter, which is mm-hmm. why it was named the NSFW podcast. Okay, before uh, we wrap up, I've got. Okay two more really dumb things from CES for you. Oh, okay. One is a 21-inch laptop with a mechanical keyboard. Like a 21-inch display laptop with a mechanical keyboard that costs $9,000. How heavy is it? Uh, I don't even know. That's gotta know. be like 20 pounds. Yeah, probably. That, that's gotta weigh almost as much as my iMac. 
Yeah, my iMac is 27 pounds. It's like one pound per inch of screen. Yes, it's 17.6 pounds. Fuck. It's insane. Okay, well, that's I one mean, thing. It, it, so if you're setting that up to be like a VR rig, like there's the the Predator laptops that I know. Um, Will Smith from FooVR, he uses mm-hmm. those uh, for doing his tech demos whenever he's going through and showing off the FooVR stuff. Um, I mean, that's one thing. Yeah. But if it's just, hey, we, we thought we'd put a giant fucking screen on this and hey we hear we, we heard you guys like some mechanical keyboards we put a mechanical keyboard in this ridiculously sized laptop mm-hmm. yeah well it's real dumb and so that was that was the dumbest thing that i saw until i saw razor's prototype laptop oh no which is it's uh three 17.3 inch displays side by side that what? like fold out so it's basically like it's like a if it's all folded up, it looks like a hamburger because it's like <laughs> it's like a normal laptop, but then there's two more displays like folded in in between. Okay. And so you can unfold them all, and then you have like a super wide field of view. But it uh-huh. it's just looks ridiculous. And this isn't like something that's actually being made yet or anything. But um, that's funny. Yeah, it's real dumb. Anyway, yeah, I thought those would be two funny things to close the show on. <sighs> Man, um, but yeah, like, like, that just makes me think of the the people that have the, the really intricate desk setups that they've got the the three displays plugged into their PC and yeah, but it's all built I, into a laptop. So I, maybe maybe that's the market they're going for. They're saying, hey, we're going to build a computer that kind of does this thing. Yeah, well, but it's that's, portable. That's exactly it. But I, you know, it's like I get it on a on a desktop. But like, if you're if you have a laptop to do that. Like the only people who that's going to be useful for is like developers who are trying to show something at a trade show. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're not going to move that off your desk. Just buy a freaking <laughs> buy a desktop and displays, and you'll save a bunch of money. Yeah, well, yeah, for the same price, you're going to get a really well spec'd out desktop. Yeah, like I have a top of the line desktop, and I spent you know like sixteen hundred bucks. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's not super expensive. Well, anyway, it's been huh. fun. Um, yeah, well, th- well, thanks for coming on again. Um, yeah, and next time also, we can talk more you, games. Well, you were my first patron on Patreon, so thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And I'll, I'll, it, as as you're working on your different stuff, if uh, if you get any of your games put together, or if you decide to start doing podcasting uh, on Complex dot Computer. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Grant can be found at Complex dot Computer. Yeah. Um, you... on Twitter. GRGG? And yeah, GRGG on Twitter, Complex Computer on Twitch, Complex.computer is my blog. Nice. That's about it. Yeah, if, you, if you're working on any of that stuff, I'm happy to, to help plug it and, and get you on and talk about stuff that you're working on. It's cool. always good to talk to you. For sure. Yeah, it was fun. All right. All right, well, sir, uh, have a great night, and we will talk soon. Okay, you too. Bye, Will. Bye.